Thanks, Rosie. Morning, everyone. Yeah, I'm JP, and um, I'm part of the, the staff team here. And just before we start, I just want to give um, a, a testimony of um, something that um, happened at Revelation Church, which is the church that Rosie referred to. We started in Manchester um, just some, some 12 months ago, Duncan and Hannah leading that. And uh, on their social media this week, um, they um, told the story of a, a girl called Megan who, um, whose kneecaps were, were misaligned. And um, as the testimony goes, uh, walking, changing direction, and sitting on a chair would cause her immense discomfort. Uh, kneeling for just three minutes would be very painful as her knees would lock up and she'd be immobile. Um, she'd then have to painfully force her legs back straight. Um, but on Sunday, so that's last week, uh, we prayed for healing, and as she was prayed for, Megan felt her kneecaps moving up and down as her legs stayed still. She then knelt down for five minutes, stood with no pain and complete mobility. She then tested them for 20 minutes. They were totally free-moving. And since Sunday, she's had no pain, no discomfort, no locking up, and she's been celebrating by kneeling down a lot. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And that would be wonderful in and of itself, but uh, Duncan tells me that there were five people uh, testifying to um, having received a, some degree of healing in the last week. And he, he said about another guy who responded to a word of knowledge about brittle teeth and tooth pain. Um, and the pain immediately went uh, when, when they prayed for him. He said he, he saw his dentist uh, yesterday, so that was uh, Monday, um, who said that the pain would have been down to a cavity that needed filling. So they did an x-ray and saw that the tooth had actually already, already been refilled. They asked him when he'd had it filled in, which he has never had done. So when the pain was healed, God must also have miraculously filled the tooth, and he now doesn't need the filling, do he? Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't that wonderful? Um, so it's apt that, as has been referred to, um, we are continuing our, our series, Gifts, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit as the Bible defines them in, in 1 Corinthians chapters 14 to, uh, 12 to 14. It's not an exhaustive list there, but it uh, lists a lot of them. It's very apt that today we are talking on the listed gifts there of healings, miracles, and faith. And um, so I'm, I'm going to um, open up the scriptures. So if you've got a Bible... Um, why don't you turn there, 1 Corinthians 12. Um, this is Paul writing, one of the leaders in the early church, and here's what he says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and the varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And then he goes on to list some. So he says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing, by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Why don't we pray together? Lord Jesus, we see uh, in this passage your 
gracious giving of gifts to your church that your lordship might be displayed. And we say today, God, we're hungry for it. Would you come and release it in us this morning? Oh God, we hear these stories that are coming out of Revelation and, and we say, Lord, come and fulfill your word in us. Uh, today we pray. We, we say, Lord, we are so dependent on you. And so we ask for the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. We say, don't wait till the, the, the end of this message, Lord. Why, why not come now, God? We say, you, we know you can do it, God. We know that you're faithful to, to fulfill all you've promised. And so we say today, God, as we look into these things, would you stir our faith, Lord, that these are a core part of church life, Lord, and come and testify to your word, we, we pray today. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to read a story from a, a girl in the church uh, whose name is Charlotte. And she says, in December 2017, I lost over 26 kilograms. That's over four stone. And became very unwell. I was vomiting five times a day and constantly feeling sick, dizzy, and exhausted, which continued for 10 months with multiple tests, none of which could find anything. I was regularly prayed for, but nothing happened. By October 2018, so this time last year, I went to South Africa to work in an orphanage, but for the first month, I was the lowest I'd ever been. I'd lost faith that God would heal me and spent a lot of time crying out to him. I couldn't do the job I was there to do. I was still vomiting repeatedly and was extremely unwell. Then one Sunday, having vomited just 10 minutes before, I had an amazing encounter with God. We were taking communion when I felt a warm and tingling sensation all over my stomach and felt God speak to me about restoring me to the working body that he had made for me. As I took the bread and the wine, I suddenly felt all my sickness go away. I haven't been sick since. My energy has returned, and that was all a whole year ago. Wow, praise God. And when you hear a story like that, I suspect you fall into broadly one of three reactions. Either you are very stirred uh, to pray for people to be healed, um, or very stirred to be prayed for. Uh, maybe you have a condition that you'd love God to heal. Or you're thinking, oh, not again. God, I've been living with this condition for a very long time now, and here we are talking about healing again, and God, I just don't know if I can face it. And I just want to recognize that right at the, the outset of, of this message that I just want to say that God sees you. And I, I want to talk about these things as sensitively as I, as I can, but just recognizing that there are many within Grace Church who are suffering from uh, serious long-term conditions and having to battle the day-to-day -day reality of those things. When I think even just the people that I've been praying for uh, this week in, in the church, just some horrendous, horrendous situations. But whatever our circumstances, I want to encourage us that the word of God gives us hope and gives life to us. And God wants to help us, whatever our circumstances, right in the midst of them, he wants to use us for his glory. And that's why I, I want to encourage all of us to be asking this morning, what does this passage say about healings and miracles and what's the role of faith within all of that? And I think very broadly, when you summarize what, what Paul's trying to say there, it would be something like this. So we'll, we'll get this up on the screen, that there are grace-given gifts that are empowered by God and given to the church 
which show the lordship of Jesus Christ, his total authority. And they, as we saw, include healings and miracles and faith. And we are urged not to be uninformed about them, but, and then if we go slightly wider than just this passage, to earnestly desire them. Earnestly desire them. That's 14 verse 1. And actually to know that they are part of something bigger. So in a couple of weeks' time, um, no, next week, in fact, Rick will be speaking on um, the body of Christ, and that's 1227, that Paul's encouraging the use of these gifts as part of a wider body. And actually, the chapter after this, chapter 13, he talks about how the gifts are used in part until that great day uh, when Jesus returns. But absolutely, we must use them lovingly, with faith, and in hope. Now, a couple of the headings there in that first paragraph and, and uh, one or two in the second paragraph as well, we're going, to, um, we're going to look into. So the first thing to know is that these gifts, healings and miracles, are grace-given gifts. Grace-given gifts. And in the Bible, you just can't get away from the facts and the regularity of physical healings and miracles. And it says of Jesus in the gospel, so often he is either coming from a healing or a miracle, doing some kind of healing or miracle, or on his way to a healing or a miracle. And it's, it was a key part of the, the life of the early church as well. So uh, as the gospel spread, we see in Acts chapter 2 that um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, so there's some very important things for church life. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done. And in our passage here, Paul is at pains to show that he, these healings and these miracles are entirely a work of the grace of God. They are not something that is earned. They are not something just for mature Christians or super spiritual people. He calls them charismata. That's the Greek word. It literally means grace gifts. That is that they are given to us by the unmerited favor of God. And what we find, therefore, is that their basis is the character and the compassion of God. So you go back right at the start of the Bible, the second book to Exodus chapter 15. Here's what God says to his people there. He says, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for, and here we go, I am the Lord your healer. He is our healer. And so when we ask God to heal people, we are not asking him to do something that he is not. We are not asking for an add-on or an extension to who he is. He is the Lord, our healer. It's part of his nature. You find it, this, this, this character continues in the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life, in a demonstration of continual compassion. So look at Jesus' actions in Matthew 14. It says, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Luke 7, he meets a, a woman whose son has just died. And it says, when he saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the beer. That's like a frame for a coffin. And the bearers stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. 
and I'm sure they were all amazed. You can study the healings of Jesus and see a regular and causal link between his compassion and his healings. And so if you are suffering this morning, I want to say to you, Jesus has compassion on you. He knows exactly what it is that you are going through. And he promises to be with you in the midst of it. Second thing is this, that the gifts, they show Jesus' lordship. So right at the start of the passage, we, we see Paul talking about introducing spiritual gifts and saying, you know, when you guys were pagans, that's like people who aren't Christians, he, he was saying, you used to kind of put all your hope in these idols in your lives that had no, no power, but now you come to Jesus. The true thing that emanates from you is that you can say that Jesus is Lord and your life looks like that. That is that his authority is shown in your life. And he then says, and now here's the gifts that help to show that. And so these gifts that we've been talking about in these series, they show that Jesus is Lord over all things. They are not an end in themselves. Healing is not an end in itself. We must not seek the gifts to the exclusion of the giver. But actually, these gifts, they demonstrate the truth of the gospel. They demonstrate the victory that Jesus won on the cross. And it's the same with healings. It was very common in the New Testament for Jesus or the early church to pitch up in a place, to heal their sick, and then to preach the gospel about Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And people would respond because they'd just seen someone who was sick made well and thought, wow, surely you must have something to say. You know, so the early church, for example, you see Acts chapter 3, two guys called Peter and John. They see someone who can't walk at the side of the road. He asks them for money. They say, I don't have any money, but here's what I do have. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he gets up and his legs are strengthened. And suddenly the chapter after, we hear that pandemonium is broken out because lots of people are trusting in Jesus because in the name of Jesus, this guy just walked. They serve to show that Jesus is in charge. And actually, if, if you are in the room this morning, I wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus. The, these things, these stories that we share today and what you see in this meeting actually is intended to demonstrate to you the truth of the gospel, that Jesus Christ has come to be your savior, that he has come to identify with you so that he might know the, the temptations that you face the feelings of everything that you go through. And he has given himself on the cross so that your lack of power to change could be met with his power to live in a whole new life. That your every mistake could be wiped away. That your record with God is now totally clean because you wear his record before the Father. That's what these things demonstrate, that he has won, that he is Lord. And so think about my friend Cheryl, for instance. I work with her husband, Rick, and he put her story like this. After the onset of major head pain, Cheryl was diagnosed with a tumor and bleeds in her pituitary, the part of the brain that controls hormones. 100% of people with this sort of bleed are immediately infertile. And we were told we wouldn't be able to have children. The elders anointed us with oil and prayed for us, and very soon after, we discovered that we had miraculously become pregnant with our first child. The doctors assumed it was a phantom pregnancy, post-trauma, but on discovery that the baby was real, 
they could only label it a miracle. The tumor is now entirely gone, and we have two children. Hallelujah. Praise God. It demonstrates that he has won. My friend Laura, three or four years ago, she was um, suffering some really bad back pain, and she went to see a podiatrist that uh, told her that, uh, he said, do you know that one of your legs is two inches shorter than the other one? She's like, no, I didn't know that. He's like, I'm surprised you haven't been walking around in circles, but there we go. And um, so she was in a meeting, a bit like this one, and um, someone uh, gave what we call a word of knowledge, something they felt God say to them, which was that there's someone in the room who has one leg significantly shorter than the other. Oh, and you are, he called out her specific age, 23 or whatever she was. And um, so she, she responded to this, and this guy, um, she said he, he prayed for me with about kind of 30 people around. And I just sat there thinking, if this doesn't happen, this is going to be tremendously awkward for all of us. And um, so the guy sat down with her, and it was noticeably shorter. You know, everyone could see the kind of two-inch difference. And he said, is your desire that this leg grows or that this leg shrinks? Now, I think that's wonderful. I could do with a bit of that for two legs to grow. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> But um, he, she chose the growth, and, um, and, and he said, in the name of Jesus, I command this leg to grow. And she said, I saw my foot moving away from me. And she then got up, and she said, it, it was the weirdest feeling ever, because she got so used to the, the imbalance. And then she sat back down, exactly the same position, and what had previously been like this was now like this, totally the same length. She said, I know that God did it to show me that he can heal. She said, I just can't deny that I saw it happen. See, these things, they show that Jesus has won. But ultimately, these these healings, they, they only last the maximum of a lifetime because our true and full and final healing will happen on that great day when Jesus returns. So that's the first thing, that, that Paul says that in between those two times, that great day and, and now, that the gifts are used in part and to be used in love. If you've got your Bible open, just flip over the page to chapter 13, and reading from verse 8, and he writes this. He says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, that's on that great day, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now we know that he's also talking about healings and miracles here because he says so in verse 2 before I started reading. And what he's saying is that these gifts, they are absolutely for us to go after now. That God has given these gifts to his church that that it might help with the proclamation that Jesus is Lord. But that actually these gifts do not represent the fullness of the kingdom of God that is the ultimate rule and reign of God's being established. Because once it has been, when Jesus returns, we won't need the gifts We won't need to prophesy because we will see him as he is. We won't need the gift of teaching because he'll be there. And we won't need gifts of healing because there will be no more pain. There will be no more sickness because the old order of things will have passed away. 
And so with healings and miracles, we're to understand that absolutely the kingdom of God has come. That, that means that we see healings happen regularly. But also, the Bible instructs us that the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God, has yet not yet fully come in all its fullness. And that's why the world's in a mess. That's why we see what we do in, in, in the news. And that means that full healing every time we pray is not promised this side of eternity. That's the reality of the battle. That can be painful. That can cause immense disappointment. And because of those things, healings and miracles can be fertile ground for misuse of the gifts, and hurt can be caused often born out of a wrong understanding that healing is guaranteed every time we pray and just simply needs to be received by faith. Now, I, I was, uh, someone I was talking to this week who um, has been just through some horrendous um, physical sickness, kind of life-threatening sickness. And uh, in the midst of that, she was prayed for by someone. Um, she didn't get healed. And their words to her, well, you need to have more faith. Absolutely vile. Ben down here leads the church. Was telling me a very honestly um, story early in his Christian life of um, he had some swelling with uh, on his knees, and a guy came to the church that he was a part of and began to pray for the sick and uh, came to Ben and said, uh, "Pray for him." And said, "You are now healed." And Ben's a wonderful man of integrity, and he said, "It doesn't really feel any different." And the guy said, well, "You just need to receive it in faith." And so Ben thought, well, I'll, I'll walk home and see what happens then. So he walked a couple of miles home. Following day, absolute agony. Everything's worse. You know, we have to have a biblical understanding of these things. So let, let's have a look at a couple of scriptures. Let's, let's look at Isaiah 53. That's one of the, uh, the, the, the prophets, the people who kind of foretold to, to the people a, a message of God. And the words that we're looking at are absolutely beautiful and wonderful because they talk about what Jesus did for us on the cross. And so they say this. They say, surely he, that's Jesus, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment or chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. With his wounds, we are healed. Now, the Hebrew word there leaves no doubt that physical and mental healings are in view not just spiritual. And actually, if you look in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 8, for instance, it quotes this passage in conjunction with some physical healings that Jesus is doing. So it is clear in the scriptures that healing is only possible because on the cross, Jesus Christ disarmed the powers, that he bound Satan and his weapons, which include sickness, that Jesus broke the curse that was on humanity, that he broke the power of sin, that he broke the power of sickness, that he broke the power of death, and he restored our relationship with God. That's what we celebrate, that's what we sing about, that's what we live for and in light of. 
But full healing is not guaranteed every time in the cross. Not yet. Because the full effects of all that Jesus won for us at the cross will only be fully shown on that great day when he returns and wraps all things up. And between now and that day, we live with the devil genuinely bound, and yet scripture says still prowling around like a lion, with the authority of sickness disarmed, and yet clearly still present, with the promise of healing and the one-day promise of a resurrection body and an end to all pain. In my uh, research for this message, I found a tremendously helpful paper uh, by a guy called Phil Moore, who is a friend of this church, actually. And um, it's called A Healthy Theology of Healing. And uh, you can Google that. It's one of the first things that comes up. I'd really recommend that. And he quotes a theologian, Wayne Grudem, who says, Christ has purchased for us complete freedom from sin and complete freedom from physical infirmity. But our full and complete possession of all the benefits that Christ earned for us will not come until he returns. And actually you can see in the New Testament all sorts of examples of, of Christians who didn't receive immediate healing but, but struggle with their sickness and they were not told to deny their symptoms and just receive their healing in faith. Now Paul says in 2 Timothy that he left his friend Trophimus who was ill in Miletus. So he was ill, he did not get better, so Paul left him there to recover. Paul talks himself about his own bodily ailment, his ongoing condition in Galatians 4. Epaphroditus in Philippians 2 was ill for a period of time and came very close to death. Paul talks to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5 of your frequent ailments. Because, the victory, because of the victory of Jesus on the cross, the future reality of the full reign of Christ is breaking more and more into this present moment. But in the meantime, our trials, the word of God says, are producing an eternal weight of glory. Now let me just throw a couple of pastoral comments in about this because that can throw up all sorts of questions when we go through some of those scriptures. The first one is that now and not yet does not mean not yet. It means now and not yet. So healing is promised to us so that we, that's why we will pray for it in a moment. It is the promise of the scripture that will be part of church life. We had a guy who went to a home group. He'd been to see the physio. He was on crutches, a three-week expected recovery. He was prayed for someone at home group. He says, for a long time. Not quite sure what that means. And um, he got instantly better and was able to walk home carrying his crutches. Hallelujah. Now and not yet. But also, let me just say that Actually, if when we go through these things, it does throw up all sorts of questions. And maybe you've been in churches before that have taught, you know, healing is guaranteed. You just need to receive it in faith. I'd love to have a coffee with you. Let's have a chat. Let's, let's agree that our authority is the word of God and that we're brothers and sisters together. And let's, let's chat it out. Because these things are important, aren't they? But also just to say that if you are ill or sick and maybe you've been so for a while, let's be clear 
It is not justifiable biblically to say that the reason you have not been healed is because you personally lacked the faith to be healed. You just cannot say that from the word of God. If faith does have a role in healing, we'll look at it in a moment. There's plenty of occasions where Jesus challenges a lack of faith on other issues and even a whole community. You think of Nazareth. It says Jesus could only do miracles there because of the lack of faith. But actually, if you've had words like that spoken over you, I am really sorry. And I want to pray that you are released from that right now in the name of Jesus. Because sickness is complex, isn't it? It throws up all sorts of issues as well as the presenting symptoms. And that's why we have a wonderful prayer ministry team who can stand with you and help you to process these things. And you can speak to your home group leader uh, to access that support. And finally, to say that if you are ill, please get medical help. You absolutely should go to the doctor. And if you do think that you have been healed and previously you were on medication, please tread very, very carefully before stopping using that. You had um, my friend Henry, he's here in the middle. Uh, 2017, he had a cyst on his knee and there was a severe lack of movement, wasn't there? Um, due for an operation. Uh, it was prayed for by some people. The pain went, mobility was restored, but then he still went to his physio assessment ahead of the operation because that is the sensible thing to do. And what actually happened when he got there was a physio said, I don't know why you're here. And Henry said, well, let me tell you. They discovered they didn't need the operation, and then we got the joy of seeing Henry on this platform doing some sort of hopping dance just to demonstrate that he'd been healed. Love you, buddy. Let's finish with this, that healings and miracles are to be used with faith. And um, having said all that, that we've said, biblically, faith does seem to be important and, and, and linked in some way to um, an increase in healings. Jesus commends it often. It says in verse 9 that, that it is a gift and it can be given to a whole community. It can be given to the person being prayed for. But mostly, most commonly, is given to the person doing the praying. As in the one laying hands on that someone will be healed. And one of the commentators gives a bit of definition to it when he says that it probably refers to a supernatural conviction that God will reveal his power or mercy in a special way, in a specific instance. And so quite simply, when more faith is present in a meeting or in a church culture, we see more healings. And hearing what was coming out of Revelation Church, I, I was stirred this week. It's in men's prayer this Tuesday, seven in the morning. We were uh, praying together, and, and we ended up praying for, um, for anyone in the room who had any kind of sickness. And my faith was stirred, not just to pray and say, right, well, we'll leave that be, but to ask in the moment, right, who is feeling any degree of improvement? A guy put his hand up and said that he wasn't previously able to swallow. He had a lot of pain in his throat, and suddenly he was. And suddenly his throat was not hurting anymore, and he had a better day. Hallelujah. Faith comes by hearing. That's what the Bible says. And that's why we tell these stories. But ultimately, by hearing the word of God, which is our promise. And its promise to us is that healings and miracles stirred by faith will demonstrate the lordship of Jesus as he comes to his people once again to save them and to heal them.
Why don't we stand together? Let's have the band up. You absolutely cannot uh, preach on uh, verses like these uh, and not then do some praying for healing. So we will do that in a moment and there will be opportunity for words of knowledge um, to be given. Um, but just before we do that, we're, we're going to respond um, by a, a song being sung that just as the preparation for this message has, has gone on, um, has, has really stuck in my soul of just carrying something of uh, an anointing from God for, for this moment. And it's a song that, that came out of Africa originally. It's called Waymaker. And it talks of Jesus as being a waymaker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, a light in the darkness. And the band are going to sing it over us. It might be that you want to join in too. That's absolutely fine. It might be that you just want to close your eyes and just engage with God. It might be that you want to tell him, Lord, I just really need to be healed from this condition. It might be he wants to speak to you uh, with a word of knowledge. But once that's through, then we'll pray for anyone who wants to receive prayer for healing.